You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 230 with Laura Tremaine. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Laura on the show today. We are going to be talking all about friendship. If you've heard the show before, you know that I love talking about friends. And I think as moms, friendship doesn't always make the top of the list. Um, We were talking in the show that, you know, there are some people that you see and they run in the groups that they might have went to college with, or maybe they went to high school with, but that's not the majority of us. And you know, people that don't have that connection from the past may be looking at those groups thinking, oh, that must be nice, um, but I don't really have that. And so I wanted to have her on the show to give you some ideas on how you can stay connected and also just up-level your friendship today. Um, maybe you have one friend that you're really close to. Maybe you have a group of friends. Um, what you're going to hear in this episode is that Laura talks about having multiple friends that are not in the same categories. So you may have friends that, you know, your kids play basketball with, and then you have friends that you go to church with, and then you have friends that you know from a Bible study 10 years ago, and that they don't all have to overlap, which I think is so freeing, because I think a lot of times we want to just merge all of our friends so that they can be an all-encompassing friend. So Make sure to share this episode with your friends so they too will know how they can up-level the friendship. There's just some fun things that you can do, um, easy takeaways that you can um, start the moment you're done listening to this podcast. So I'm super excited for this episode. Hey, you guys. So before we jump into the show, I have a quick announcement. And this is, if you didn't hear my episodes in the past few weeks, you might have missed that. I no longer can get into Instagram under my name, Amber Sandberg. And so I had to create a new Instagram account called Mom Inspired Living. So I'm starting completely over. If you don't follow me at Mom Inspired Living, make sure to go do that. But the main thing that I want to talk about is with social media, we don't own our social media accounts. And the only thing that I own as Mom Inspired Show is my email list and my website and the podcast. So If anything were to ever happen and everything were to shut down on social media and you don't subscribe to my show, um, you may not be able to find me. And so make sure you subscribe to the email list because that is where I will be able to communicate with you because I own that as well as the podcast. So if you don't subscribe, go to mominspiredshow.com and enter your name and email. That way you will just get an email every Tuesday with the newest episode You will have the show notes as well as any links that I put in the show notes and all the guest info. So it's all at your fingertips. It makes it super easy to find. So again, please either subscribe to my podcast if you haven't already and subscribe to my email list. That way you will never miss anything because again, this is the only thing that I own. I own nothing on social media. And what I've learned is... um, with dealing with this is that, man, I could lose so many people and they won't even know what happened to me because I have no control over that. So I just wanted to put out there why it's so important to subscribe to my email list as well as subscribe to the podcast. And then that way you never lose me. You will always be able to find me. And if all social media shuts down, I will still be here. All right, you guys, let's go to the show. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so happy to be here, Amber. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker. And um, today's question I'm going to ask is, what is one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self? I really wish I could go back and tell my younger self that everything is going to take longer than you think it will. (laughs) (laughs) Like almost every single thing. I got married later than I thought. I took longer to start a family than I thought. It took me 11 years to write this book. That was much, much longer than I thought. Yeah. The bait. Yeah. Like there's just so many things in my life, the baby years, which I love my children so much. And everyone said it was going to go by in a blink of an eye. It It felt like a long (laughs) time. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. Um, And that is so true. I think a lot of things take a long time. And, um, you know, you think about even just little projects in your house that you're like, yeah, this should, this shouldn't take very long. Like we can knock this out in a weekend. And then you come up, other problems arise. And then you're like, what is happening? This is now taking a month. And so, um, I do think that is the case with life that, um, almost if you could just expect that 
expect it. Kind of like what you're saying, telling your younger self that then you're kind of more prepared. You're like, oh, and if it does go quick, you're kind of like, well, that was awesome. (laughs) I know. I feel like I could have saved myself a lot of angst. Like I would have been a lot more peaceful about the journey, if you will, if I just didn't feel this desperation that I was behind or that everything was supposed to have already happened by now, or like all this kind of underlying sense of urgency. I kind of wish I hadn't had that. Like, I really wish that I had just had a little bit more contentment in the early years. Yeah. It took me um, a long time. It took two and a half years to get pregnant with my first daughter. And that felt like eternity uh, for me. Mm -hmm. And people were lapping me with children. And so um, I, exactly what you said, I felt behind. That was something Mm -hmm. that I would always be saying. I feel behind, I feel behind. And, um, so I do think those are wise words to tell your younger self. I remember um, I started college uh, later and um, I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to get my master's at 26. Like, so when you're 22, that feels old. Uh, it's funny now, mm-hmm. um, but I'm like, I'm going to be 26 with my master's. <laughs> I was like, that's so young now. Um, but at the time I'm like, man, that feels so old. So mm-hmm. um, I do think that's, I think that's great advice. So um, I want to move on to the show. So how about uh, you share with us a little bit more about yourself? So your full name, where you live and how many kids you have and their ages. My name is Laura Tremaine. I live in Los Angeles and I have two kids. My daughter, Lucy, is 11. She's in the fifth grade. And my son, Finch, is nine. He's in the third grade. So it's really interesting. So you're saying like the baby years, right? Felt like a long time. So you, do you feel like you? it took you a long time to get to nine and 11? Well, once they hit like about six and four, it has really flown by. Okay. But those yeah early years for me, it Mm -hmm. just dragged on and on. I don't think I'm a good baby mom. I'm Mm. a much better big kid mom. And I also, I think this is a little bit about expectations, right? Like everyone says about motherhood, it goes by so fast, like blink and you'll miss it. I really took in all of those messages. And so when it was not going by fast for me, (laughs) it was like, we can joke about it now, but it sort of became a mental health issue where I was like, I I am never going to not have babies. Like I am never going to sleep again. I am never (laughs) going to not be cleaning up diapers. I mean, it just felt endless. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I never even experienced that thing that they say of like, the days are long, but the years are short. I didn't get to the end of the year and felt like it had gone by quickly. (laughs) It was all like really interminable for me. And so yeah. I mean, I, I I love my children, of course. I'm just much better at this yeah. stage than I was. I, yeah. In the I early totally years. understand. Yeah. And I was actually going to bring that phrase up that the days are long, the years are short. And so it's interesting that you're like, no, the years were not short. They still were long. <laughs> and I understand I have a six and nine year old and it is very different. Um, their independence versus when they were very young. And so, um, yeah, I can just see that. Like some people are just like, they're better suited for different seasons of life, you know? And so um, that completely makes sense. Um, I do want to talk to you about, um, how about you go back a little bit though, and share with us how you got to where you are today. And and you kind of mentioned about writing your book. Um, so how about you share with us how that even came to be? Well, when I had my first baby, Lucy, she was born in late 2009. And then in January of 2010, I started a mommy blog. That was like a big deal then. A lot of people have blogs. I was reading a ton of mommy blogs because I was a new parent. And I was also at home for the first time pretty much in my adulthood. I had worked in film and TV production for most of my 20s, but then my husband was also in entertainment. So when we decided to start a family... It was just going to be too hard to have both parents working those kind of hours and that kind of life. Mm -hmm. So I was at home with a new baby. I was lonely. I didn't have any friends in LA that had babies. I had friends with older kids or, you know, whatever, but I, I was the only person I knew in my situation. So I started this mommy blog kind of at the very beginning, I wanted to write a book. Like I wanted to be an author. I wanted to be a paid writer. That was sort of the overall goal for myself, but blogging was exploding and it was immediately gratifying. So it was just a 
a great place for me to start. If you had told me when I started that mommy blog that it was going to take me 11 years to publish a book, I probably would have given up like right then. <laughs> but I I kept on. I loved it. Blogging in that time opened a ton of doors for me. I got to travel and speak and I loved writing online. That's a whole different type of relationship to the reader than writing in a book. Right. But but then after a while, you know, my kids were getting older. Mommy blogging itself was changing. You know, I was changing. And by this time I was in my mid thirties and I transitioned from blogging to podcasting, which as you know, is a very fun medium and also a different relationship to the audience. Yeah. And I absolutely loved podcasting like from the get go. I was originally just one co-host on a a girlfriend chat show. I then spun out and started my own show that was an interview show. And then now I have a weekly show that is mostly solo, just me, called 10 Things to Tell You, where each week I ask the listener a question or I bring up a topic. And you're supposed to take that question to a friend or to a partner or even just to your journal And it's kind of like a conversation starter, introspective show. Well, that show, 10 Things to Tell You, after doing all these other things, blogging and then then playing and podcasting for a while, led to the book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, Mm. because the thread of all of those things was me sharing myself, primarily on the internet, but also, you know, in my real relationships. Me sharing myself is what pulled me out of like, loneliness and career angst and friendship angst and all of those things, there was one big thread and it was the sharing piece. And so that's what led to the book. Finally. that That's awesome. I wanted to ask you about your, the podcast. So when you would pick a topic, would you be walking because they're not interacting with you on the podcast, right? It's just you talking. Is that correct? Right. Most of the time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So when you would do the solo episodes, would you just be talking about the topic and then talk about how it has played out in your life by doing that question or, or whatnot? Like, yes. like okay. That's how you're filling up the space of time. So you can't interact with the person, right? Like you're not asking them like, okay, so go do this and tell me what you think about it. Right. Well, it's it, in the actual episode itself, I pose the question, I talk about why I mm. picked the question or why the question mattered, what was happening in my life that you know made me think of this topic. And then I do answer the question for myself, but I give okay, them a yeah. lot of space yeah. to think about the question for them because everyone's going to answer it differently, right? Yeah. And then I share my own personal story. The book okay. is set up mm-hmm. in the exact same way. So there's 10 chapters in the book. Each chapter asks one big question. I explain the question and and talk about the question theoretically. Yeah. And then I answer the question for myself. So yeah. the book is exactly the same as the show. Okay. That is really cool. It's almost like you're coaching, like you're co- like as if you were doing a, a like a seminar or a webinar or something like by allowing the space for them to actually respond instead of it just kind of being quick, right? Like you're just like going one from another to another. So I, that's a really neat um, uh, platform of doing that. I wanted to ask you before we jump into your book itself, um, what do you think made you keep going in regards to the book, right? Like 11 years is a long time. I'm sure you thought it might not ever happen. Um, a lot of people, you know, they're going after their dreams and, you know, people say like, oh, what if you just would have waited like that next month is when you would turn the corner, but you never know that during the time. So you're like, well, how many more months, how many more years am I actually turning the corner? Or should I just say, okay, this has been great. I'm done. Like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. So what kept you going? Well, I really enjoyed it. I mean, that's like the most basic, simple answer. It was frustrating to not, you know, maybe get to a certain goal I wanted, but But if you put that part aside, like I loved blogging, I love social media, I love podcasting. So it wasn't hard to motivate myself to actually do that work. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was the discouragement occasionally. And I had a, you know, I I had a book proposal rejected during my blogging days. And like, Mm -hmm. there were definitely some setbacks, but I never hated what I, you know, I never really had to like talk myself into it. I've always liked it. Yeah. So what do you think um, with the book? What made you think that, or I'm sorry, what what do you think made you take so like, when you know, you're saying, oh, it took longer than I liked. Like, what made you just be like, 
I'm going to, I'm going to do this like versus being like, you know what, this is just never going to happen getting this book out. Well, I had those thoughts too. Like I'm never, this is never going to happen or maybe this shouldn't happen in this way. Maybe publishing is a dinosaur Mm. and what I am doing podcasting and, and internet work is the future, you know, of getting our messages out there. Right. And so why did I hold on to this? Like publishing in some ways is antiquated comparatively, you know, but I don't know. There's stories in the book that I've held on to all this time, even, Mm. you know, 11 years ago, back to my blogging days, I wanted to talk about some of these things. Mm. I wanted to share some of these stories and just the form it took changed. Like, First, I was blogging, and you know, social media captions are kind of the new micro blogging. Using my like literal voice on the podcast, I just sort of changed mediums. But I always had a lot of these stories that I wanted to talk through or share. Like they were always there. I just wasn't sure how it was going to come out. You know, it's the difference between making a scripted movie or a documentary. Like both of those things can get the point across that you want, but you're sort of going with where your talents lie or where your audience is. And for me, I ended up not writing a novel or not writing a book of essays. I ended up writing this sort of hybrid book of memoir, sort of self-helpy in a way, because that's just where my voice has taken me. But I couldn't have done that 11 years ago. Like I Mm. wouldn't have even known how to do that or how to frame it like that, you know? Yep. Yeah. So sometimes you have to go through all those things to be able to be equipped to do that thing. And um, I think that's where it comes in to play where you're saying that um, things may take longer, but you needed that time in order to be able to, to, you know, create the book. And one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on the show is because I love talking about friendships and especially the dynamics of having friends older in life and, um, and what that looks like. And, and I feel like there are so many expectations for friendships and, um, I don't know. I think this is a struggle for, um, a lot of people. I mean, there are the people that you see, like they hang out with people from their college days and they still run in packs or groups. And, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that's the norm. Like, and so when you do see that, you're kind of like, Oh, that's so cool. But you're like, that's not my life. And so um, there's several things in there in, in the in the book that I noticed that, oh, that really stood out to me. So I wanted to talk about that. But I wanted to ask you, what made you decide to write a book specifically on friendship? Well, I just think that it's such an important part of our life. And that after a certain, I don't know, age or mm-hmm. stage, women kind of stop talking about it. Like, mm. I, we become consumed with our families or our careers, or we've had a lot of friendship hurt. So then yes. we give up. Yep. And so we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to try to fit anymore, fit in anymore. Yeah. Um, or we've never really had friendship angst. So we don't need to talk about it. Cause like you say, we have the mm-hmm. same friends from a million years yeah, ago. Right. But all of these things I was doing on the podcast, on the blog, in social media, all I saw was women who were either lonely or they Mm. felt like they didn't fit in or they weren't sure how to reconnect with an old friend that they sort of had grown distant from. Like I saw a ton of friendship angst in my comment section, in my audience with just grown women who didn't know how to talk about this. It's really Mm. hard to talk about this. You either feel embarrassed, you feel like it's juvenile or like immature or something to be talking about girlfriends, you know, besties when you're a little bit older. Yeah. And I was like, no, this is like a huge part of our life. And a lot of us do not know how to do this, myself included. I'm also always learning how to do this better in the midst of a busy life and in the midst of parenthood and careers and, you know, social media being a stand-in for real friendship and like all these different issues. There's a lot to talk about and like, let's just talk about it. Yeah, I love that. And 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 so that's what I want to do. I want to talk about this. So um, in your book, Share Your Stuff, I'll go first. Um, I would love for you to go through the five steps to stay connected with friends. Um, so let's start with your first one. And so that is start a round of the go game. So can you explain to us what that even looks like? Okay. So these are tips I've been talking about in general. They're not all exactly oh, in the gotcha. book like Okay. This. Yeah. I just want to clarify that. Yes. But I do love these tips and these are something that has worked for me and that I like talking about. So a round of the go game is it's sort of 
the idea, the same idea that we have around like our Thanksgiving table, maybe when we say, okay, everyone has to go around and say what they're thankful for. And everybody hates that game. Everybody groans and like, <laughs> oh, we're doing this again. Yeah. But then what happens after we do it? Everyone mm-hmm. really likes it. Like yeah. we enjoyed it, right? Oh, yeah. All right. And so I start the go game with my friends. You can do this over a text thread. You can do this over margaritas, like whatever happens with you, you toss out some kind of a question. It can be deep. It can be light, but everybody has to go. Mm. Everybody has to have a turn. You do not get a pass. The most dominant person in your friendship group doesn't get to take up all that space. The (laughs) meekest person in your friendship Mm. group doesn't get to say, skip me. Everybody has to go. And it can be like so simple as in the beginning of the pandemic, a a text thread went around with one of my friend groups of like, okay, everybody show us your prom picture. Mm. So it was just like a silly, dumb thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we could all laugh. It sparked some other conversation. You feel a little bit bonded. It's not that hard of a thing. I have a different group of friends. We meet once a year on a little sort of retreat, if you will, and we go around and in the circle and everyone has to share their greatest joy and their greatest struggle right now. And that is like a deeper way to have this conversation, but everybody has to go. It's called the go game and that's, you just have to do it. And it can really spark a better conversation or a more meaningful like connection or bond than you think it will. Yeah, I love that. And I'm going to I'm going to touch base with you regarding your um friendship group that you meet once a year when we talk about um your friendships existing in one category, but I wanted to jump to the next um topic where it's learn what stuff to sweat or not. One thing that stood out to me is um kind of like knowing your friends and like knowing their communication style um if they don't text back. So, I would love to hear your thoughts on this and why you created uh this topic. Well, I think this is a little bit hard because you're having to figure this out for literally each individual person or group, Mm -hmm. but learning what stuff to sweat or not. Like, I think we can sometimes get caught up in our own rules. So like if we have a rule that we always text back by the end of the day or something like that, we have a really good friend who like will not text you back for a week. It's easy to get your feelings hurt around that because your rule is to reply to people promptly. Right. But her rule is like, I get to texts when I get to them. Like that is not her primary source of connection. It's not Mm -hmm. her priority for the day, whatever. So you have to figure out if that's something to sweat with her or not. If it's really going to be the thing you're going to dig your heels in on, or if you have the friend who is always late or who always cancels, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, there's so many right. friendship rules, if you will, that's yep. like, um, sometimes it's basic human respect, you know, like trying right. not to always be late. But yeah. sometimes it's like, look, if I'm going to be good friends with this person, she's always 20 minutes late. Like she's never going to not be 20 minutes late. So I can either accept that and move forward in the friendship, or I can be like, I don't think we're a good fit. Like yeah. it's just going to bug me till the end of time. And so it's okay. It's okay to figure out those things that you're going to sweat or not. And it might, you might have a different rule for one friend than you do another just based on your history or your connection or whatever. And so that's just, that's a hard ask learning what to sweat or not, because again, you, it's easier to make blanket rules for your friendships, but you're going to be disappointed if you do that. There just cannot be blanket rules for everybody. I agree. And I do have friends that do not respond back with texts. I mean, they may not actually respond ever. Like they just forget. And then, but I've learned over the years that that's just them. They're really not trying to ignore me or it's not that they don't care. It's just, (laughs) that's not their high priority, right? Like, so exactly what you were saying. And I do think that is important to not be putting all these rules onto people and that other people's rules won't be the same as your rules. So that, that is a good point. Um, Talk to us about celebrating milestones and how that can be important with friendships. So I love celebrating milestones. I'm a person who likes to celebrate all the things But I've realized sort of as I've gotten older that the things that you sort of always have on to celebrate, so like birthdays or, 
you know, I don't know, just sort of the rote things, they are not as memorable to me as if you have in your friendships, like a a thing to celebrate, like either a promotion or, you know, I made it through a week when my partner was traveling and I did all the parenting by myself oh, and I, I love did that it. One. Like, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> there's, there's lots of little milestones that we can celebrate that don't have to be like a drudgery or a chore. And I think that we will remember those little milestones. We'll remember them more, right? Like I had a friend group and this is sort of a bigger milestone for me, but I had some of my friends who they celebrated every tiny thing for me when I was writing this book. So like I turned in my first draft, we got brunch. I turned in my second draft. We went to the beach. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Every time I had a little thing that I knew was coming up, I'm like, you guys, I have a huge deadline due um, on Friday. So on Saturday, can we do this? Now, obviously I had to set that up. Like I had to tell them I'm having a milestone. Can we celebrate it? Yeah. So you can't expect others to necessarily know your milestones. Maybe you're going to have a really thoughtful friend who realizes you've, you know, solo parented for the week alone, but- but probably not, right? Like we're all sort of set up in our own things. And so we have to say, listen, I have this thing coming up and I want to celebrate it. And I know it's dumb, but like, can we just celebrate that I got through this period or that I, I any of the things that works in your life, I like celebrating those sort of smaller milestones as opposed to everyone feeling the obligation to celebrate a birthday or you know, lots of things like a baby shower, all those things can be important. I'm not taking away from those celebrations, but I think these little let's grab drinks and toast to, you know, fill in the blank. Right. Those, those are nicer. Those are more mem- memorable and they're easier to pull together. Yeah. I think that's a good point. And I think that makes it more fun, like you're saying. But the key thing is what you were saying is that you have to let them know, like you can't just wait around hoping that, you know, people just know your stuff all the time in order to celebrate it, that you you have to let them know what's going on and then be like, yeah, let's go celebrate that. Um, this leads me into the next one where you talk about let friendships exist in one category only. And um, it made me think about it too, when you were saying that you go away once a year, um, kind of like as a retreat. So how about you tell us a little bit more about this and how that has worked in your life as well? So this has been a real freedom for me to let friendships exist in one category only. When we start to learn about friendship or having best friends or having, you know, girlfriends or whatever, we are taught from culture or movies or whatever that our friends are, it all, all kind of looks one way, right? Like your friend knows everything about you. Your friend would drop everything to bring you a casserole. Like friends look a certain way. That's how it looks. But when we get older, that isn't how it looks necessarily. That's a lot harder to have an all encompassing friendship like that. And so for me, it has been nice to just let mom friends be mom friends. We do not have to travel together. We do not have to do anything outside of our friend of our kids. They're just mom friends. It's great. We have a great connection. They're great, smart women. So am I. What we have in common is our kids. And I can just let it be that. Same with work friends. You may have like a work bestie and you love eating lunch with them every day or you love doing the the office gossip thing with them or, or whatever you enjoy. But like you don't ever have to invite them to your home. You just don't. They don't have to know anything about your marriage. Like they're just a work bestie. Let it just be a work relationship. I think that if we can just give ourselves a freedom to not have our friends necessarily look like what books are written Mm -hmm. about or what movies movies. are made about and just be like, "This this is where we connect. This is what we have in common. Because for me, friendship... It, this isn't this isn't true for every single relationship, but a lot of my friendships that mean a lot to me, they are under an umbrella of some sort of institution. So like our kids go to the same school or maybe we're involved in the same community thing. Maybe you have a church relationship, maybe you have a work relationship that sort of is dictating your time together. You have to be at a at a sport activity thing. You have to be at a meeting. You have to be whatever. And so that's why you see each other all the time, right? Like it's being dictated by this other- right. Yeah, institution that you're both involved in. And those are great. I actually love that I don't have to set 
the time to get together. We're going to see each other at school every week. We're going to see each other at this work thing every week. We have a standing date, even though it's been dictated by someone else. That is totally fine. You do not feel like you have to have the pressure to invite them to your birthday party. You do not feel like you have to have the pressure to like manufacture this outside of that institution relationship. Like let it celebrate how amazing it is within those confines. Like this is my work spouse. You know, sometimes we say that like, this is my very best friend at work and she is amazing and I love it. And it's only at work. Like, isn't that freedom? To me, it is. Yeah, I do think, I think if you have less rules around that, you will be happier. Because I think if you keep thinking and having these expectations, that if you are friends with this person, and then therefore, if they're going on vacation with other couples, but you're not really part of that group, you know, then really you're left there feeling, you know, sorry for yourself or whatever, but you you may just not be in that group. It doesn't mean that they don't care. So I think that is really important to know. Um, Speaking of like maybe traveling together, I'm curious like how you came up with a group that you really only see once a year. Because I always think that's really fun when people tend to travel together or meet up somewhere. I'm I'm curious how that evolved. Well, that particular group that I referenced, Mm -hmm. they were all mommy bloggers with me back in the day. And so we started as an internet friendship. We had not met in real life. And so when we felt like that group got to a place where we wanted to see each other's faces in real life, we um, got together for one weekend and then it was so fun and so meaningful that we just like almost is anybody in that group still blogging? Maybe (laughs) one or two. I mean, mean, most of us don't do, I mean, I do online work still, but a lot of that group does not do any sort of online work anymore, but we made this friendship online mostly on like Facebook, Twitter. This was pre-Instagram. I feel right. like this is a long time ago. Yeah. And we still get together once a year, not during the pandemic, but generally once yeah. a year because we live all over North America. There's no yeah. way we would be able to see each other otherwise. Yeah, that is really cool. Like, and and there are so many relationships that start online these days, you know, especially uh-huh. with COVID. I feel like because we weren't seeing people in real life. So you might've kind of, um, stepped out of your comfort zone and started getting to know people um, online. So I do think that's a fun thing to do. Um, the last one is, and I feel like this kind of goes a little bit with the first one that you were saying is share something vulnerable, go first. Um, what is your thoughts with why it's so important to be vulnerable? Well, I think that you have to let yourself be seen in order to feel connected. Like if you're going to come away from lunch with a friend or a a retreat weekend, or even just a phone conversation, if you're going to come away from that and not feel like itchy or uncomfortable or discontent about it, you probably had to have had a a moment where you connected. Mm. And this isn't true in every single interaction that you're constantly having to lay, lay yourself bare in front of everybody. Of course not. But you do have to share yourself. You cannot just be an observer. You cannot just be a yes man or yes woman to someone else's vulnerability. Like you have to participate in sharing of yourself in order to, you know, have these fulfilling relationships that we're talking about. It just doesn't work anymore where you can just be a wallflower and feel a part of it. It just isn't, it's not a thing. But then the go first part of it is, this is a really hard concept for most people. And so it makes it easier if you raise your hand and say, fine, I'll go first in the go game. Or listen, I have to talk about something. I want to bring up a topic and see if anyone feels the same. Mm. Or, hey, I want to share a story and I would love to hear your story about this, about how hard early parenthood was, about um, prom, which you broke up earlier, like just an an old funny story or a relevant, meaningful story. It doesn't matter. You have to show yourself and let other people show themselves and you be an observer of that. It has to be uh, two ways like that. Otherwise, you're going to come away from an interaction. And of course we've all done this feeling like, well, I don't know, that was random. I don't really feel anything or I don't feel what I wanted Mm, to feel. Yes. Um, instead of being like, okay, well that was awkward. And I feel a little cringy that I shared that, but man, I feel alive. They saw me. I got to see them. 
Like, this is what it's all about, even though I'm going to, you know, lay in bed and think about it over and over. Did I say the right thing? <laughs> right. But, but I did, you know, like in a big picture way, I think we're glad when we show ourselves. Yeah. Well, and that kind of leads me into your book, you know, so jumping into the deeper stuff, um, because I know people hold back on friendships and a lot of times it beca- it, it comes from fears, anxiety, past hurts. We kind of talked about that earlier. Um, and so I know you mentioned this just earlier is, you know, um, talking about being seen um, and, you know, how we're not really supposed to be doing life, doing life by ourselves. And so um, is there anything else that you wanted to, you know, touch on in regards to that topic specifically uh, before we go into the next one in regards to, um, I don't know, friendships and just kind of really opening up and just dealing with all the, you know, all the things that we, I think, keep inside because we're just so afraid to kind of share ourselves. I think we're partly afraid to share ourselves because we've seen sometimes people get lambasted for doing so, or, you know, right. we judge people who do so. But a bigger part of it to me feels like that women, as we get older or as we have more responsibilities in our family life or in our work life, that we protect other people by not sharing. So we don't share about our kids because we have to protect their privacy. We don't share anything negative about our spouse Mm. because we don't want anyone to feel negative towards them or feel like you're disrespecting them. And so at the expense of everyone else, we stop sharing because we are protecting everyone else. But mm. then what happens is, I mean, we, that's well-intentioned, right? We start that from a good place from a mama heart. Yeah. But as time goes on, you know, 10 years goes on and then we wake up in our forties or beyond and we're like, but no one has actually seen me for a decade. No one knows how I feel. No one knows how hard this season was for me because I protected everyone else and put on a happy face. No one knows how I feel about this. Everyone thinks that everything's amazing and it's not. We have, we have kept ourselves hidden. Yes. Sometimes out of fear, but a lot of times out of protection of others. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't protect our our families and that we shouldn't be mindful of that. But when we are portraying that everything is fine and amazing and wonderful, it's a disservice to ourselves more than it's a disservice to the others who might have a passing twinge that you shared (laughs) maybe more than you should. But but at the end, you know, when it all shakes out by the end, I think it's better if we continue to show up instead of just putting on more and more of a face as time goes on. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I mean, and I think that is so key because I I didn't really think about like people are trying to protect their kids, protect their spouse. And so they're not really opening up. And like you said, a decade goes by and you really don't even know that person. Like, like, Amber or Laura, like as the person, mm-hmm. not the mom, not the wife, like the actual person who existed before getting married, before having children. And then so much time has gone by and then you kind of look up and you're kind of like, no one even knows me. And so I, I think that's, that is really, really important. So I'm glad that you talked about it. Um, the other thing that um, comes to mind is anxiety. Um, I know so many people deal with anxiety and I feel like 2020 really kind of brought that up uh, for people if um, they were kind of keeping it managed and then it just kind of started to take over a little bit. And I think that many women don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about depression, anxiety. They still feel um, that there's so much shame to that. And then I think that also keeps them isolated, right? So then they're not really showing up in relationships because mm-hmm. they feel shame about it. Um, so do you have any suggestions, um, you know, for women that struggle with this and in regards to friendships and, and, you know, how they can show up and not feel isolated? Well, what I've seen from women in the pandemic is that a lot of people don't seem to even know that they're having anxiety. Oh, interesting. So mm-hmm. they thought that anxiety looks some kind of way. They, maybe they have a, f- a friend who says that they struggle with it. And yeah. so b- what they feel doesn't, mm. isn't related at all to what their friend right. is describing. And so they don't even know that um, while anxiety can be very debilitating, it does not mean that you can't get out of bed or, and so they don't even assign 
anxiety to themselves. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor, a professional. Everything that I talk about in around me- the mental health space is anecdotal and what I have observed. But when I talk about anxiety sometimes on my social media or on my podcast, I get a huge response of, I feel that way. I didn't even know it was anxiety. Now, sometimes it's not, I'm not diagnosing anyone, but I think people think it's, it's like depression. People think that depression means that you are in bed with the curtains closed and you can't ever get out of bed. And for most people, that's actually not what depression looks like. And it's absolutely depression, even if you are still getting up every day and performing some of your basic tasks, right? So people also think this about anxiety. They think they don't realize that this underlying wave of fear or, um, you know, a, a aversion sometimes, like all the different ways that anxiety can manifest in our health, um, shortness of breath or, you know, some digestion issues that might come like they, they haven't even thought about it as a mental health thing because no one has ever talked about it. So I guess I want to say that first of all, is that just because your anxiety or just because what you're feeling doesn't match what you think, you know, about anxiety or depression I, I still encourage people to seek professional help or to talk with their girlfriends as a first step of like, hey, I'm feeling this. What do you guys feel in around anything, around the pandemic, around parenting? Like, are you feeling nervous all the time? Are you unable to complete basic tasks, et cetera, et cetera? Just talk about what you're feeling, what's happening in your body, what's happening in your mind, because a lot of women just don't even know. They don't even know that, oh, well, postpartum anxiety can look like deep-seated anger. Um, there's just a lot. And again, I'm not giving like huge medical advice. I just right, want people right. to be more educated yeah. about it in general and just sort of talk about it. But if you know that you struggle with anxiety and obviously the last year has made everyone extra, um, you know, struggle in an extra way, I always recommend therapy. Therapy changed my life. I started it way too late. I started therapy when I was maybe 35. I wish I had started it many years earlier. You do not have to be in a complete downward spiral to reach out to a doctor, to a therapist. You don't. You don't. You can just be having some light, general life struggles and I think all of these things will greatly help you. I think we a lot of times stuff it down until we're in crisis. And you can take care of your mental health long before you have reached crisis mode. Um, so, you know, I don't, ha- there's, I don't have a ton of thought around like if you're super struggling with it now beyond get help and also talk about it. But I right. do want to offer some solidarity that this has been a very difficult year. I have had my own, you know, struggles with it more than usual over the last year. And that I wish women would just talk about what, their mental health uh, ups and downs looks like. Like literally, what are their physical symptoms? What is their brain doing? Are they on a constant brain loop of replaying a conversation or or they can't get a thought out of their head? These things can all be anxiety and we don't know because we don't like say specifically, this is what's going on with me. Yeah, I think that's so true. And then a lot of times you don't even know something's going on with someone until after they went through like the darkest time. So then, Uh and then you, and then they tell you, and then you're kind of like, what? Like, oh, but I understand they feel shame or they feel so depressed about it or so anxious that they don't want to talk about it. So then they isolate themselves. So then their, their friends can't really be there for them because they don't really know what's going on. So um, I do think that plays such a big role. And I'm glad that you mentioned that it doesn't always show up in the way that we think. You know, that I think people are looking for certain, you know, cursors to be like, oh, okay, that's, that's what that is. It's kind of like, um, postnatal, um, or, um, oh gosh, I'm totally blinking. Is that right? Post, post, <laughs> I'm like postmenopause. No, that's not it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, uh, can you help me? Postpartum? Laura? Totally, yes. Thank you. My brain, it just like just disappeared. Um, you know, I think people think postpartum depression looks a certain way that you um, only have postpartum depression if you want to hurt your child. Like, and that is not the case. Like, and so, but I think that's what people think. So therefore everything else that they're experiencing, they must not have postpartum. And so exactly. Uh, depression. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because there, it looks, 
very different for everyone. And so um, the last thing that I wanted to talk about, because we're almost at the end of the show, and this is a topic that's new for me, and it's journaling. I actually started journaling kind of like my thoughts and all that stuff um, last fall. And um, I actually look forward to it, kind of just getting everything out of my head. And um, I would love for you to share why you think it's such a great habit to start. Well, first of all, journaling gets a bad rap. I think people think that journaling is for only a certain personality type or that it's, you know, like a 13-year-old girl yeah, is a in their diary. Yeah, yes. I agree. <laughs> like, yeah, that's why I never did it. <laughs> right? Yeah. People think that, but yep. that is not what journaling has to be. Of course, no. if you want to pour yeah. out your feelings onto the page, great. But yeah. There's lots of ways you can journal. I journal for work, like just mm-hmm. to get thoughts out of my head yeah. onto the page. Right. I sometimes journal like really ugly thoughts that I just need to express and then I throw them away. You do not have to have a journal that then is in a beautiful notebook and then you keep it in a hope chest. You d- That is not what journaling has to be. Journaling can be temporary. It can be messy. It doesn't have to be in a nice notebook. Like it can be anything you want it to be. I talk a ton about journaling on my podcast because I journal in bullet points. Sometimes I'm not even making complete sentences. That is still journaling because I want to remember all these things about, about the weekend or about the trip or about what I feel right now. It does not have to be readable or coherent for literally anyone else. This is just for me. And I think that we can get so tangled up in our thoughts that we sometimes don't even know how we feel about something Mm -hmm. until we've written it down. Right. Yeah. Pro and con lists can even be a type of journaling. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there is something that transpires between what's happening in our brain, in our heart, and then putting it in writing and then seeing it there sometimes. Even if we've had the thought, seeing it in writing, in our own handwriting Mm -hmm. can be transformative. Um, We may write something down and be like, actually, no, that's not right. You know, I mean, like there's this, I don't know what it is that happens between what's inside of us and and putting it on the outside on that page. Yeah. And I want people to do it. There's all kinds of reasons that you can do it. You can do it to make sense of your thoughts. You can do it to document an important time. I've been encouraging people to document 2020 in particular because, you know, do not trust that historians or journalists or essayists will get it right for what Mm. it was like for you. Yeah. You are the only person who can document what it felt like in your home and in your mind. And wouldn't it be amazing if you were to read about the Great Depression, wouldn't you, you can read it in a textbook and it would be very informative. Yeah. Or you could read it in like your great grandmother's letters. Yes. And wouldn't that be an entirely different experience, right? Yes. Yes. You know, it's so funny. There's so many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, My my six-year-old, she said to me yesterday, she's like, you know, when I have kids and she's like, I'm going to tell them this story and they won't know it's about me. And I'm like, okay, but what's the story going to be about? She's like, COVID in 2020. She's six. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, so she's already getting ready to tell her version of her story. <laughs> That's amazing. That's an amazing mentality. I mean, yeah. you also don't have to think of journaling as like your deepest, darkest right. secrets. I, yeah. If, if you don't want to write down your deepest, darkest secrets, don't. Right. That doesn't mean that you can't journal. I mean, there's just so many ways you can journal and mentalities you can journal from. I just find it to be so helpful. And it is a, it's a release. That's, it's as yes. much of a release as anything else in our yeah. life to be like, okay, I got that out and mm-hmm. now I don't think about it anymore. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I look forward to because I realized that there were certain things that go in a loop in my head that I am like, okay, like I need to write this out. So like you're saying, I'm not writing like dear diary. Like that's why I didn't do this for so long. And then I realized, you know what? I like to journal on goals or why I feel like they may be challenging. And then what am I thinking about why they're challenging and just kind of breaking them down. And so my journaling would look very different than say someone else's. And so I like that you kind of pointed that out, that it doesn't have to look like this whole memoir, you know, and that it can actually be really practical, you know, kind of like your pros and cons list. So I really do like that. I also think that journaling is good for your relationships. I mean, 
you can put things in your journal instead of taking them out on Mm, mm -hmm. the person. I mean, like an example would be if you are having, you know, an argument with your spouse and you know, you know, sometimes you you know that you're not exactly 100% right or you know that it's like a little irrational or that you're bringing stuff to this argument that it's irrelevant to the actual argument. I mean, you know, we know this when we do this. It's very like human nature. To me, if I can write it down and sort of like release some of those extraneous things, I then don't take it out on my husband. Yeah. And I can, I have released it somewhere else. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to minimize everything that's going on in our relationships, but then I'm able to have a more clear headed discussion about what the issue at hand is. And then if I, if I need to talk about some of these other deeper issues, then fine, we'll do that too. But it doesn't get all convoluted and just tangle up all of your discussions, arguments, and relationships if you have this other place where you can put the messy parts. Yeah, I agree. And I do think that makes a a big difference to be able to get that out and that you're not just taking it out on someone. You know, some people have said that I've heard in the past, you know, like writing a letter to someone that you never sent because it's just literally getting it out of your mind. And then you're able to kind of process it, see it on paper, um, or if you're typing it or wherever you want to put it, um, that you're just getting it out of your head so that it doesn't just keep going round and round and round. So I think that's awesome. Um, Laura, we're at the end of the show. Um, share again what your book is and where people can find it. I will put that in the show notes for you. My book is called Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, 10 Questions to Take Your Friendships to the Next Level. It is available in bookstores. It's available on all your favorite online retailers. It is out in the world. And then if you um, want to follow me or my podcast or anything else, you can always just go to lauratremaine.com. Yes. And I'll put that all in the show notes for you. But Laura, it was so much fun having you on the show. And um, I will make sure to put all your links in there um, so that they can find you. So fun. Thank you, Amber. I love this. Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday, and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email, and you will be all set. See you next week.